and welcome to the Equestrian Mums Club podcast. We're your hosts, Katie Ellen-Clark and Sophie Conway. We're avid equestrians and first-time mums. Join us and a herd of other guests as we discuss the wild ride of parenthood and horse care together. So let's take up the reins and walk on into our next episode. Hello, hello, uh, listeners. We have a new person on the podcast today. Um, if anybody has a question about the sport of eventing, this lady's probably the person that you'd want to ask. She's a bit of a fountain of knowledge when it comes to equestrianism as a whole, actually. Um, and that is what makes her such a brilliant presenter, commentator and podcaster. So today, chaps, we are speaking to the one, the only... Nicole Brown. Nicole, how are you? Hi. I always get, I'm going to put it out there now, I always get so nervous being on the other side. Much more in my comfort zone asking the questions than answering the questions, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Why? Why? We are nervous interviewing you, Nicole, because you know exactly what you're doing. (laughs) Oh, don't be nervous interviewing me. I, I mean, there's there's nothing better as an interviewer knowing that actually you can ask any question in the world it could be the worst question doesn't matter any question and actually they'll give you an answer um that's a really nice place to be so yeah I'll I'll definitely um talk some sort of chat how how much sense that chat will be I don't know but I don't know it's just out of your comfort zone isn't it because I'm so used to being in the other shoes that it just feels a bit strange being in these ones, but it's okay. I'm up for it. And you're used to being in control of the conversation, aren't you? Can I also say exactly? But can I also say you guys are smashing it, listeners? So to put this to put this out there, they both have babies in their arms who are both being very well behaved because childcare has not quite lined up as planned. And <laughs> I just think hats off. They're looking very cute as well. <laughs> Thanks, oh, thank, thank you. Well, well, as you know, we've sort of started this little project to tell everybody's stories, I guess, and to bring a bit of a uh, community together um, for equestrian mummies. So I guess really the place to start for everybody that uh, hasn't gathered who you are from from your introduction is maybe why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us tell us what you do for a living and what your family situation is, Nicole. Okay, so I am 33. Um, I live in the middle of England, literally slap bang in the middle of the country. Um, I have a lovely husband called Oliver, uh, who I've been with for sort of 15 years or so. We have Toby, who is five and a bit. And we have another one on the way. Um, And yeah, so I sort of used to ride a lot massive part of of growing up and and I was sort of the keenest of keen people um did sort of you know all of those stereotypical teenage things of um I didn't do any of the stereotypical teenage things I should say literally was just obsessed by horses and ponies and following sport and got into eventing and that kind of thing wasn't I was okay I was never going to be the greatest rider in the world and I don't think I ever had a desire to ride for a living. Um, That was never my sort of intention by any stretch of the imagination. But um, I sort of fell into my career, basically. So I was 18, had gone off to university, sold my horse to go to university. That was only ever meant to be a temporary break. Um, 
the the money was actually in the bank waiting to buy the next horse I was going to save it and then of course I put it on a deposit on a house didn't I so that didn't work but never mind uh grown-up choices and all of that um and then I actually went to university hated university and left again in the space of about three weeks um which was a a point of life where lots of people thought I was completely crazy thought why on earth are you you know, why are you throwing away an education? Um, but it wasn't for me. My dad had been really poorly at that time and it, it just wasn't for me. It was the best decision I ever made. Um, and so I actually worked in the rugby industry um, for 10 years and alongside that got into commentating slightly by accident, to be fair, um, because I'd sort of wanted to stay involved in eventing, didn't really know how I wanted to stay involved in eventing. Um, but somebody had sort of said, well, why don't you give commentating a go? Commentating is a funny industry. You don't find that many female voices anyway. There's more now. And I'd like to think that we're really hopefully generating the next generation of kind of female voices coming through. But certainly 15 years ago, there weren't that many people to kind of look up to. And also being quite young in a quite a male dominated middle-aged industry if that is fair to say um it wasn't the most straightforward thing but I fell in love with it I literally loved it from the very first moment there was something about telling a story that I just absolutely loved you're actually um amazing at it you're really really that's very kind I I love it like I and that comes across I think I want people to feel I want people to feel the um enthusiasm of the story so everything has an outcome doesn't it and if you're watching something whether it be cricket whether it be rugby whether it be um tennis horse riding whatever it is equestrian sports you want to be able to tune in and actually follow it and especially equestrian sports we're not the most kind of easy to follow sports some of the scoring systems are quite complicated to start with and get your head around and everything else and you want people whether they are the most experienced equestrian in the world that follows every event all over the world or whether they literally found the channel by accident flicking through but actually stopped for a second you want them to become invested in the story and enjoy the story so for me that's that's kind of my biggest passion I guess is telling that story and finding out little snippets of things that people wouldn't necessarily know and sharing those um so that that's that's what I absolutely love and I'm I'm very lucky because I now get to do a job which has sort of turned into a career that I'm immensely proud of that actually people you know I get to do stuff that I would have only dreamed about doing as a as a young person how much research do you have to do like when you're covering an event or something I've always wondered this like do you just know it off the top of your head or are you going around having a look at the riders list and then trawling through BE website or whatever like how how do you do it you do you do a lot so I mean I do do a lot of research I don't like to go into things by chance I think you you might do I think it was Mike Tucker who actually in his book said something that you know you know I might write 100 pages of notes for example but you might only use things on 10 of those pages you know you don't you're not going to use everything that you learn um, but it's about having that base of knowledge and understanding and being able to talk in any situation, regardless of whatever gets thrown at you. Because, you know, you guys know what it's like with live television. You don't know what's coming. Um, and especially in the equestrian world, you know, it feels quite unscripted 
a lot of the time it's quite unpredictable and you have a responsibility to be able to keep everything together in that moment and it's those moments of high pressure that actually you realize all of those hours and hours and hours of work and things that you picked up and everything else kind of come together um I would be a planner I would be somebody who does a lot of research anyway I'm lucky in so much as my brain retains ridiculous amounts of information so somebody could be introduced to me and I'm dreadful because a name will go in one ear and out the other and yet I can tell you pretty much Brookfield Innocent, his entire international record of the last few years and what he's done, where he's been and um, what his best dressage school was and yada, yada, yada. And you just think that's that's crazy. And I'm lucky that my brain remain remembers that information, but I think it's been trained to remember that information. Um, and then, you know, the eventing podcast side of things, I do a lot of work in it. So I'm always looking, I'm always talking to people and I think that's that sticks. Nicole, I was going to ask you whether um, you know that sort of focus, that passion, and remembering all that information. Do you feel the same way about all of Toby's appointments and Oliver's work life? <laughs> Do you remember all that sort of information? Um, I would like to think. I am a quite organized person. Um, I would, I would very much, yeah, I'd be, I'd definitely be the household diary management manager for sure. <laughs> um, did you, I've been wanting to ask this and I, Katie knows, I absolutely hate this phrase. It's my worst phrase ever. And it re- really want to hit people that say it. Um, but did, did you feel like you got baby brain? Could you, could you commentate? Did it ever affect it when you were pregnant? So I, I mean, people listening at the time might have thought, God, what's she on about? I don't know. I I don't think so. I think I worked extra hard in terms of research and, and sort of making sure I felt prepared. Um, but I actually think baby brain, to be honest, I think it's just the fact that our brains are tired and we are thinking about so many different things. And actually, you are thinking about, you know, what food you've got in the fridge for dinner, um, what time they need to have their nap, who's picking them up tomorrow, what happens if this happens, and all of these other things, the dog needs feeding, and I need to go and buy that from the shop, because we haven't got any left. And oh my gosh, I've got that meeting at that time, and and everything else. And I think it is just an accumulation of tasks that your brain is trying to negotiate its way through, um, coupled with extreme exhaustion. Um, so I think I probably did have baby brain. I won't lie. I was actually really terrified of it because I thought, oh my God, my memory, I rely on my memory so much. And if it goes, I'm really screwed. Um, but I don't think it certainly, it probably did. I probably found things harder for sure, but I don't think it absolutely went. Um, and I think it, we have to cut ourselves some slack and say, we're just thinking of lots and lots and lots of things. And actually headspace is something that's massively changed for me in the last sort of five and a bit years since having Toby. So pre-Toby, I would have had the radio on in the background. I've never been one for working with music and stuff on. I like to concentrate, but I'd have had the radio on if I was doing things in the house. I'd listen to a podcast. I would have, um, there would have always been some sort of noise and probably more now than even when he was a little baby, gradually I've just become 
more and more desperate for silence. And now I'm like, oh, quiet, quiet, there's quiet, lovely. And just don't want to put anything on. So I think um, that's probably my brain just juggling so many different things that it kind of goes, actually, just just have a tiny bit of silence right now. I, I relate so hard. Do I relate to that statement? I have, yeah, I've never been one for music on or you know background noise I feel like I get overstimulated quite a lot um and that's that's actually an ADHD thing <laughs> rather than a like yeah <laughs> who who knows and I think it's I think it's one of those things we all have to figure out how best we work don't we and how best we work now might be very different to how best we worked 10 years ago and that's fine we just have to kind of learn and figure it out as we go along with um nicole with the with the noise and the p p and q um one one of the things that i've really struggled with with having rafe is obviously they don't have an off switch <laughs> so when you really need that <laughs> quiet you, you can struggle for it are there ever moments in in your life where you're you've got uh tobes and he's absolutely chatting away to yourself and you feel like a piece of information that you're trying to remember has left your brain entirely <laughs> just because it's overfilled with kidding. yeah yeah I think we all get like that um and I would be the nature of um kind of what I do I am very well trained and very used to lots of things going on at once so when you're on a a commentary stream or when you're on a broadcast or you've um anything like that, you've usually got people in your ear and they're talking to you, they're talking about you, they're talking to cameramen, they're talking about other things. You might have fence judges that are reporting on other things that you are then talking about something else, but you're processing the information that they've given you because that's the next thing you're going to say. So I'm very used to kind of lots of different noises coming into my head and then filtering through them to the one I want. Um, Oliver actually would be the total opposite. So I remember I was doing... um, an event rider masters leg out in France uh, a few years ago and he had come out with me and there was a sound check and we were sort of it sat in the studio and I was like oh here just put this headset on um and can you just test this mic for me and he put this headset on and sort of sat solidly still for about 30 seconds as people in his ears were chattering away and he just whipped like his face dropped he whipped them off and he was like absolutely not I can't I can't deal with all of that and then be thinking about what I'm going to say and what I'm going to do and and he very much prefers one thing at a time um and if there's lots of things going on he's he's like no just go back to one thing um so I'm quite I don't mind lots of things but I do get a bit sort of I just have to filter my way through it having a child has probably given me like extra training for work to be honest I've probably become even more sort of yeah you are just about to get a whole lot more training aren't you (laughs) I am so um yeah number two is due (laughs) in um the next few months uh which is quite funny because I was saying Sophie I actually messaged you about sort of kind of saying I haven't really told anyone I'm pregnant she was like you're pregnant um I haven't we haven't really sort of I'm not one for for doing a post or kind of sharing too much privately anyway um, but yes, there is another another baby brown on the way. And I kind of will probably just rock up at Badminton with a baby in tow and surprise a few people, which I'm, I'm quite okay with that. That's good. Huge, huge congratulations. Are you, how are you feeling? Are you feeling nervous? Are you feeling excited? Are you, are you worried about Tobes in any way? Um, 
how am I feeling? So it has been a bit of a roller coaster to this point. So, and I was actually listening back to your episode that you did with Jenny. Um, absolutely love Jenny and have always looked up to her and kind of looked at her juggling mum life and thinking she's she's got life together. Um, and I think we can all kind of look at other people and go, they've got life together. And actually, you might appear like you've got everything together, but you're juggling 500 different balls and you might look like a swan on the surface, but you're paddling like, batshit crazy underneath um but she you know she talked very openly about having a miscarriage and or miscarriages and everything before having James and so it's been a bit of a a funny old few years because actually we we had been trying for another baby and things hadn't gone to plan and and unfortunately um we'd lost a couple along the way and and you but we'd kept it very private so we hadn't really said anything we'd told a few sort of close family members and that was it and sort of the harder things got the more private we kept it which and at the time I always said you know I I feel like I should talk about it more openly because anybody I did speak to about it um I was amazed by how many people had experienced something similar or could resonate with it and I felt guilty um actually for not really talking about it but I just wasn't at that moment in time I wasn't in the right place to say anything I, I didn't want to be um walking around and people kind of looking at me going oh is she having a drink is she pregnant looking at my stomach and and so I just kind of kept things very very quiet and now I think probably being a little bit further along I feel more comfortable about talking about it more openly um and I'll probably feel more comfortable saying more in the future I don't know this is actually the first time we've sort of I've certainly said anything publicly and um it's a bit of a strange one but I'm very excited I feel much much better now um and I Tobes is super excited which is lovely and he's really old enough to understand so he's five and a bit um and he cannot wait and he is so excited that he's just yeah and I'm sure it'll be an adjustment for us all but it's a different kind of adjustment this time last time I didn't even know how to put a nappy on uh, and that isn't a joke, by the way. Didn't know how to put a nappy on. Uh, took Oliver and I a good half an hour in the <laughs> hospital to figure out how to put a nappy on this newborn baby that they'd just given us. And we were like, but how do you take off the tab on the sticker? Where's the sticker tab? And we could not, could not figure it out. Anyway, apparently you just stick it down and it sticks. Who knew? Who knew, listeners? Anyway, um, so at least we know how to dress a baby this time. Um, and I think I'm a lot more relaxed this time. But I'm sure it will bring its own challenges. Nicole, do you know whether you have a boy or a girl yet? Or have you kept it a surprise? No, so we do actually know. Um, and I can say we're having a, another little boy. Um, because first time round, we were absolutely adamant we didn't want to know. We wanted a surprise. It's probably one of those few surprises in life that are genuine surprises. Um, so we we didn't find out first time. But I think... I'm a little bit over surprises by this point. Um, we just wanted to know. And it's important for Tobes to kind of understand what's happening. And and he is a typical little boy, not such a big fan of girls, Barbies, pink, and anything like that. So if it was going to be a girl, he needed to get his head around it. I didn't want to be dropping that bombshell as well as a new sibling. Um, so he's delighted that it's a boy. And um, yeah, I'm overrun with boys. Even the dogs are boys. Oh, you know, we we're the same in this household. At one point, it was all girls. I had 
girl dogs, mares, all of all of the all of that lot. And Simon was feeling really outnumbered. But now it's completely swung the other way. And I, do you know what? I, I don't mind either way, but it is simpler with boys. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just make sure it's pointing down. Willie's got a point down, and you grant. <laughs> fine know what to do with them um yeah no it's it's very exciting and I'm sure they will get up to all sorts of chaos I I'm sure absolutely sure do you Nicole do you do you take them to work with you ever do they come to shows with you and you know well not they because one of them's not born but does Toby I was going to say, this one's coming at the minute. This one's trotting along. Um, that one's coming. Yeah, so a bit. I'll be honest, not a lot. Um, he, he's he been a few times. The The challenge is childcare because obviously the, the childcare juggle and logistics is absolutely real, especially, you know, my job isn't necessarily, you know, it's brilliant in so many ways being freelance because you can do the school drop off, you can do the school pickup, you can go do those swimming lessons at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday morning, you, you know, you can go to that baby group, all of those things you can kind of juggle. Um, but you're not a nine to five routine person in terms of sort of what your workload looks like. And so when I'm away, I tend to be kind of away and immersed in a event or show or anything like that for quite a concentrated period of time so I might go on the Friday morning and come back on the Sunday night late and so yes he has been but actually getting that cover for childcare is easier at home with a structure and a setup and everything else rather than taking him to an event with me um to to kind of juggle alongside he'd also much to my immense disappointment have very little interest in horses. Oh, no. I mean, I've tried to persuade him. I've tried, but he's not bothered. Um, tractors, machinery, dogs, like anything like that. He absolutely loves it. And he likes horses and he'll get on a pony, but he's not not bothered. Um, so the only time actually last summer he all of a sudden decided that he'd really quite like to come to work with me. And he was asking, and I was so excited. I was like, this is brilliant, Tobes. Of course you can come. We'll work it out. We'll have a great time. Um, no problem at all. And then I realized the reason he wanted to come to work was because I'd just been up at um, Burgeon, I think it was, um, and it had been very wet. And all the lorries had had to be towed in and out, some of them by multiple tractors. And so I'd actually taken some videos and. Um, the team on site were all really kind when I'd said to them, oh, you know, any videos you've got, send them my way because Toby will love this. He loves anything getting stuck, rescuing it would think that's the best thing ever. So, of course, I'd shown him all these videos of lorries being stuck in the mud and getting towed out by tractors. And then, of course, he thought that's what all horse trials were like, which, to be fair, last season they were. Um, and so he just wanted to come and see the lorries being towed out, basically. Um so when he's a bit older, he's more likely to be found kind of with a course designer or fence repair or like doing something like that, I think. Oh, bless you. You've you've tried. You've tried. Um, <laughs> I've tried. You can't force it. You can't. For- and, and that's the biggest thing. Like you can't force it. What will be will be. And as much as I would love little ponies and everything in my life, I, um, you know, you can't you can't push it at all and maybe he'll come round maybe this next one will be obsessed who knows but when we found out it was a boy Oliver did look at me and look a little bit sheepish and was like you can just get a little pony (laughs) 
and you can, you can have a little pony. <laughs> and I was like, okay, thanks. Can I just point out that um, I know you're not, I know you, you're not supposed to force it, but I am already trying. Like there are rocking horses everywhere in this house. <laughs> Every book is a, I'm a little pony, um, this and that. <laughs> poor olive she's either gonna love or hate them like it'll be one or the other it's it's one of those I think you the more they're around them the more likely they are to pick up on it because they're they're around that as an interest um so for example our dogs are a massive part of our lives and he is obsessed by dogs loves dogs just mesmerized by them um Whereas actually, because we haven't got horses at home anymore and I'm not riding on the regular and that sort of thing, he's not around it so much. So good. Keep trying, Sophie. She'll she'll tell you one way or the other. Yeah. And I won't listen. I'll still get a pony. <laughs> <laughs> For me. Yeah, I'm exactly. only small, aren't I? Nicole, you're, you're too. And we could actually just ride it ourselves. So Yeah, what? it would be fine. I mean, to be fair, I because um, I haven't got horses anymore and I miss it massively massively like there was such a massive part of my life and I couldn't have ever imagined not having them um but weirdly you know circumstances didn't quite pan out in that way and being an adult kind of caught up with me and bought a house and all of those things and actually we're now in a position where um we've got a little bit of land at home and actually I could do it but I also love my job. Like I'm really, really, really fortunate because I absolutely love my job. And if I had a horse and stuff at home, I'd be adding an extra dimension into an already action-packed juggle that is a real balancing act. And I don't think I'd be able to do it justice. And then I would probably work less, which is absolutely fine, but I love my job. So I get to talk about it and I get my horsey fix very much through that side of the world. Um, Nicole, I've got a question. So obviously you're saying that Tobes is absolutely loving his machinery, his tractors, his dogs and whatnot. Surely, surely Oliver finds that just such a buzz for him because he's an outdoorsy guy himself, isn't he? What, what does he do for our listeners? So, yeah, so he runs a contracting firm. So he... Um, does a lot of like commercial landscaping so things like hydro seeding which is like a spray on grass application a lot of um, conventional grass seeding but more on sort of big commercial sites so quarries power stations things like that so there's lots of tractors and big bits of kit and all that sort of thing and I'll be honest you know I, I it's tongue-in-cheek saying I'm gutted he doesn't like horses because nothing gives me greater pleasure than seeing him round the yard with Oliver as they sort of you know tinker with a bit of kit or he's learning about something or he's all of a sudden got a saw and he's sawing up a piece of wood and I'm like ah, should he have that should he, should he have that um but actually they've got it totally under control and he's probably better with a saw than most like 25 year old men to be honest um so he yeah the, the pleasure I get from that is enormous and he'll make somebody a great husband one day I mean he's going to be a very useful horsey husband down the line let me tell you he sounds ideal. Like, prep him for Olive now. <laughs> prep him for Olive now. I was going to say, Sophie will be like, right, have a word. Have a word. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag arranged marriage. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag pushy parents. Hashtag pushy parents. Hashtag arranged marriage. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, it's it's the pleasure you get out of seeing them. Um, and it would be the same for Oliver if he loved horses and ponies and was, you know, so obsessed with one of my interests that you just you just want them to do what they love. And if that's what he loves, then I'm I'm just going to support him 100% of the way. Um, Nicole, I've got a question. Um, just sort of going back to childcare then, really, while you're at work, because obviously Oliver's job isn't exactly nine to five either, one would assume. So when you're away... How on earth do you guys juggle that? Because that, you know, that's surrogate parenting in in some places, I'm guessing, yeah? I ask myself that very question on a regular basis. Um, It's so hard. It's so hard. And nothing stresses me out more than childcare and guilt of guilt of doing something for myself or guilt of working or guilt of not working. Um, and I'm really lucky because Oliver is massively supportive and he he believes in my dreams as more than I do. I think he, you know, he's my biggest supporter and has always sort of um encouraged me to to kind of do what I want to do. Um, but it is really, really hard. And anybody that says, Oh, it's not hard, honestly, I mean, I think they're lying. And if they're not lying, then I probably hate them a tiny bit um but it is just a juggle and I think everybody's in the same boat and your your circumstances might be different and we've got family locally um but both sets of of grandparents still work um you know there's there's not sort of regular childcare as such from that that perspective um nursery was obviously a godsend for for weekdays but then all of a sudden that doesn't make any difference at a weekend and, you know, Oliver's business, as you say, you, you kind of, when it is your own business, you think there is that degree of flexibility. And that's true to some extent, but there's also, there's, you're the one that the buck stops with. And if something needs doing, you've got to do it. Um, and so it's not a traditional nine to five and you can't leave at nine, at five o'clock on a Friday and think, well, that's it, that's done because you've got to load up for the following week. You've got a machine that has broken down that you've got to fix. You've got all these other things that kind of come into it. So in answer to your question, an enormous juggle, um, help from people, a sacrifice of the fact that I just accept that a good deal of what I earn, I have to pay on childcare. And that will, one, I love my job, so I'm lucky that I'm I'm getting to do something I love. Two, I hope that that will mean that those jobs are there for me in the future. Um, and three, you just kind of, like to a degree, have to suck it up that you, you know, it costs a lot of money. Um, I'm not saying that's right um, and it's certainly not easy but yeah it's hard it's really hard and and actually when he when I am away and Toby finds it hard that's the that's the biggest thing if he's happy I'm happy you know I couldn't I, I don't mind at all but if he finds it difficult god like that's the bit that will break me. I am I am actually really struggling at the moment to find the right balance between the horses work and Olive and you know we we're in the same boat as you Nicole we've we've we don't I know you've got family around you but and they did they work but we don't we don't actually have any family around us so I kind of <laughs> the childcare is split between me Alex a nanny and a nursery and partly that was partly so that so that um Olive could stay at home and because I need to do the horses early as well and so it's you know that nursery doesn't start that early so the mum guilt thing that you actually just mentioned 
did you I'd be really I'd love to know when you first stayed away from home and because I, I know that's part of your job and how you coped like emotionally really leaving him that's what I'm really struggling with and I know that I've got to do something and you know as part of my job I have to stay away but I can't get my head around it <laughs> at the moment I it's really hard and like I th- this is one of the things that I'm probably most nervous about having another because you know all of a sudden you kind of you you're right back in the thick of it um from a young age and in a way when they're small they don't know so in a way it's easier it's when they yeah. get old enough to say mommy why are you going to work or you know where you're away or when are you coming home that that's much harder but it, it swings and roundabouts and I think in terms of when I first stayed away so I had Toby he was born in October 2018 so 2019 was a normal in inverted commas eventing season so event rider masters was still running I was very much part of that so we had six or seven legs all over Europe um, so there was a good bit of travel with those I did some jobs in America um, and I actually went out to Carolina it was to do some commentary um, the March after he was born so he was probably five and a half six months old and I was it was worse in the build-up to it I felt really rotten the week two weeks building up to it, I was dreading it but I was also so excited to be back at work and doing something and um but it felt like a very very long way away and I battled internally with myself I'd made a commitment and you know we very much had a plan in place of home and everything else and and the home side of things was fine it was more emotionally I think for me that was probably the toughest one and I sat on that plane it makes me emotional just looking back at it because I cried for the whole flight pretty much and I just sobbed on the plane um and people there were a couple of people on my flight actually going to the same event and I was like trying to be like not you know when they dim the lights and you're just like <laughs> um yeah I do know. but actually when I landed the other side oh Nicole oh it's brutal when I landed the other side I, I was absolutely fine yeah I know honestly looking back at it now I can feel the emotion of doing it um but I landed the other side I'm crying I'm on my period oh god listeners if you're not crying then you're you're more I mean my hormones are all over the shop so I'd cry at like you know the milk running out these days everyone's crying literally everyone's crying yeah exactly exactly but it it was brutal and I think it does it does get easier and I think you find a balance and that balance that you think you've struck yeah don't be frightened when all of a sudden it's not right anymore because they change so much and their needs change and your circumstances change, that that's okay. So what worked a year ago, you might think, well, that's not really working so much anymore, so we need to change it. And I think that's okay. Um, but I think having having help and accepting help, because that would be one of the biggest things that I'm absolutely dreadful with. I, I'm far too independent And so people quite often think, oh, I've got it all together. And in reality, I'd love somebody to be like, oh, I'll help you do that. Why don't you go and do the food shopping? Don't don't take him with you. I'll I'll have him. Like, I'd love that. But in reality, I look like I'm totally cool with everything all the time. And 
I think we can see, look at other people and think they're absolutely fine and they're not. They're just covering it up in different ways. Um, and I think asking for help is a big one, accepting help. And also, as long as our kids are happy, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, as long as they are with people who are caring about them and giving them opportunities and teaching them, you know, that's all we can ask for. Um, and, and things like nursery have been the best yeah. thing that Toby could have done because it's given him so much structure. It's given him so much kind of growth and learning that I couldn't have given him at home. Um, and so you have to remember that that's actually you're doing them a favor. Yeah. Because if you put them into school age five and they've never been to nursery, they've never been with anybody but you. Yeah. They're going to have a serious shock to life because they've got to go to school. So unless you're going to homeschool them, you know, it's good for them, but it's hard. It's really hard. I remember um, I was at badminton last year and I had been, um, I'd got a phone call basically. It was about bedtime. And as to be fair, we don't really talk too much when I'm away. We found that that's harder, harder for Tobes is, it's, it's easier for Tobes. Sorry. It's harder for me. So he finds it harder if I'm sort of on the phone and FaceTiming, you've got to pick your moments. Um, and I was at badminton and my phone went and it was sort of evening time and I was actually um, at the Welligog stand of all places with the lovely Tess who owns Welligogs, who's just really, really lovely person, but I didn't know her very well. And um, my phone goes and it's Tobes and basically he'd had a proper meltdown going to bed and he just wanted mummy and Oliver was sort of at his wits end being like, well, maybe we'll, we'll FaceTime her and see if that helps. And he just lost it. And I lost it. And you know those moments you think, God, is this, like, is this worth it? Is it worth it? But actually, you take a step back and you kind of, the emotions drop and you you come back down to kind of that level and you go, do you know what it is? Because he is happy, he is safe, and you learn to kind of find the best pathway through. Um, and I want him to grow up to know that both his mum and dad have worked really really hard for everything we've got in life and to inspire him to do the same I'm totally inspired by you Nicole um Nicole I am literally still bawling just behind the scenes just so you know um (laughs) and yeah everyone's having a little nose blow situation (laughs) I think what what we've talked about do you know what I feel like this therapy it's like some kind of therapy session isn't it but I would say um so I've talked a lot about the hard things, right? But actually this morning, um, I, so I, I now sort of try really hard to kind of compartmentalize yeah. work and Toby time and everything else. And he has started school, which actually is harder than nursery because school hours are much shorter than nursery hours, even though he wasn't at nursery, he was only at nursery three days a week. So they were kind of, but they were just longer. So the days felt longer. Anyway, um, this morning I've been into his classroom and I've helped with reading and writing and I spend an hour, a couple of hours every week going in and just volunteering to help in his classroom. And I absolutely love it. And um, do you know what? I There's plenty of days that I'll wake up and I think, God, I've got so much to do today. But that's kind of a non-negotiable. Like He loves it that I go in and help. And I love it because then you get to see all his little school friends. You get to know the teacher. You get to know all of those things. And I would say if you're struggling with mum guilt or if you're struggling with finding that balance but you're in a position to do that or you're in if you if your kids are at school age and you're in a position to do that or 
if actually, you know, you're struggling with the guilt of doing nursery, do you know what? That day that they're not at nursery, put it in the fuck it bucket, anything else that's on your list and go off and do something fun, just the two of you, because that's the time they'll remember. Like that's the time that they will know that, you know, does it matter if the house is a bit dirty? Is Does it matter if the washing isn't done? Like you can figure that out. Um, compromise on things with that. If you can get help there, get help there so you can spend time, you know, elsewhere. But get that, like that one-to-one time is so important. Um, and that's one thing I'm absolutely, when baby comes, I will still be going into school to help because it's important. I'll probably have to work till like 11 o'clock tonight. I'll have to work till really late to get <laughs> to get stuff done, but it's fine. It's fine. I literally am in love with you. <laughs> um, Nicole, when when you're going into school and watching Toves with his little friends, like how how what's he like? How like what's his personality like? Is he like the shy one or the loud one or? Um, so it's funny because so he's quite shy at school. Um. And it was really interesting. There was a a time a couple of months ago before Christmas and it was parents evening day. And in the morning, we'd had some painters come in uh, to do some painting in the house, which to be fair, that's one of the things that, you know, when you say put it in the the effort bucket, I feel like Jenny swore loads on her podcast. So if you've got little ears around listeners, I'm really sorry. Put it in in the naughty bucket. And do you know what? Rather than spend a week painting myself at home, which I didn't really have time to do. I just accepted that actually a man that could paint because I'm literally like a five-year-old painting anyway, um, was a good investment. And so, um, I think that's okay. Completely okay. If you can do it, do it. Um, but the painters came around and Toby was literally leading them from room to room doing my job for me. He was like, so that this bit needs touching up and there's a little bit there and, and that needs to be that color. And he had it totally under control. And I mean, <laughs> there is no way that I would have thought of all the things he thought of um and he had it totally and utterly nailed and he was so confident and happy and and I just thought god all I want is for you to grow up to be a confident happy little person that that can take life and um anyway at school that day we we had parents evening in the evening and, and his teacher was saying you know that he's quite shy and he wouldn't always put his hand up in class and that sort of thing and I was like it's amazing isn't it how their little characters are so different um, and he obviously feels very comfortable in that sort of situation with the painters and everything else and has kind of got that under control. But actually still at school, he's kind of finding his own way and it's been a bit of a life change and everything else. And all you, all you want to do is build them up. Um, and he would definitely be a child that would take knocks. So you just kind of have to build him up, build him up. Um, but he's puppy and he's friends with lots of other lovely little children and really nice school and he's um yeah it's really sweet Um, really sweet I actually for somebody because again I wouldn't be a massive fan of little children but actually I love going into school love it they have the patience of saints but they're brilliant because they actually do as they're told in school most of the time (laughs) way better than at home go go and wash your hands after you've been to the toilet go and uh, sit down ready for lunch and they all literally (laughs) follow like little soldiers they're brilliant. Um, Nicole, add it to the fuck it bucket is my new favourite saying, and that is going to be used an awful lot around this house from now on. Um, I, you are 
I am feeling so inspired right now by you. I feel so much better for talking to you because it's it's so nice to know that it, you know you've been through this. You're going to go through it again soon. <laughs> but I'm in. We're you know Katie and I are both in that point where we're still trying to figure out how to do everything and it's it's so nice to know that you have been there and it's it's as hard for you <laughs> who seems like you've got it all together at all times I've got to say yeah I think this is the thing you can't you can't have it all together anybody that says you can have it all there's always something there's always something that isn't quite as you would want it and you kind of learn to live with compromise and you learn to um sort of what's important I guess and and it changes your relationship massively and and you know that that grows and you have to kind of build that um and work at it and that sort of thing and from a work work perspective from my side actually we kind of touched upon this because when we started recording I was like I've not really told anybody I'm pregnant like there'll be a few people that might know me that listen to this and they're like she's pregnant I didn't know that um because it was the end of the eventing season so I didn't really see haven't really seen that many people over the last few months as I've got a bit bigger um but you know the work environment I'm in you know freelance life is that there's always somebody else going to come and take your job you know, you're not in a secure career whereby you can walk away from your desk three weeks before you're due and turn around and come back in a year's time and your job's there for you where you left it and somebody else has kind of looked after it in the meantime. And and with that, don't get me wrong, there's still that always that worry. And I think it's natural of, will they be better than me or what if they don't miss me and everything else? And like, that is totally normal. But actually, like, if I just walked away for a year, I don't know how many jobs I'd have left. Um, I'd like to think a few, but you don't know because somebody else will have already kind of gone in and it's a fickle old world, fickle old world. It's a, it's a, it's a hard, yeah, you are, you're totally right. I think for, for anybody that's freelancing, it doesn't have to be in the equestrian world. It could be anything. Um, my partner rides out and he struggled on the same vein because he rides five or six lots every morning and if he suddenly can't ride that many for three or four days in a row he'll end up with two or three lots and he can't afford to live on that so it's it it's a struggle um from every point of view I think are you are you planning on going back to work fairly soon after the next one I will be at badminton with baby in tow (laughs) A hundred percent. We will see you at badminton. I'll see you there. Hey, can you, you can, you can like follow me around and kind of think, oh, she's, she's, she looks like she'll live together. She, no. Um, to be fair, I'm, I'm quite relaxed about it this time. I think I, I feel like I've got less to prove than I maybe did five and a half years ago, whatever it was. Um, but I also, I work for people that I love to work for. Uh, it has to be worth doing. Now that was that has been a change that I've made over the last few years because as you make sacrifices and you kind of have the the guilt or whatever you you kind of work out what's important and I was like I want to I don't want to be away on a job if I don't have to be away on that job with people that I don't like doing a job I don't like and making myself miserable and everybody else miserable with it um I'll make money another way if that's what I have to do I'll figure it out and so I'm quite fortunate in so much as I've in a place whereby I've got lovely lovely clients and I love my job so I it's it is work 
it is work and it's a lot more work than sometimes people think it is sometimes it can look a bit glossy and a bit sort of fancy and and it's not always like that bear any stretch that's a small tiny percentage of it um but this year I'm just I will be I'm gonna certainly plan to be at a certain number of events I will be keeping a good number of um kind of commitments that I've already made I'm not going to be stupid about it I'm not going to push myself um but yeah just going to crack on got to figure out the childcare arrangements first but yeah baby in tow uh you're a superwoman absolute superwoman I don't know about that I don't know about that I think it's but I also think it's nice um and that's one of the things that I love about what you guys are doing it's really nice when other people build other people up um, because there's plenty of people out there that are critical or judge you or have an opinion and all those things. And do you know what? One, they don't matter or they shouldn't matter. Two, you can't help but take it to heart sometimes. Um, and three, we're all in it for the same reasons. And if somebody's doing something, then great, good for them. And what works for them might not work for yeah. somebody else. I'd To be fair, I often think it would be really, I'd love it if I could just be the person that actually could embrace maternity leave and would totally love uninterrupted time. But I actually, I need that balance. Yeah. And I know I need that balance because that helps keep me be the best parent I can be. And that that's, I think it's important to find out what works for you. Yeah. Um, Nicole, on the, you, you touched on, you touched on this earlier, Nicole, and um, I just want to offer out. Nicole and I are quite often at the same events. And if you ever do bring your babies <laughs> to that event, I will drag them around with me while you commentate. And I will take them for ice cream. And you need to accept, Thank you very much. You need to accept that help now. And I've offered it live. <laughs> I'm, I'm oh, there. that's very sweet. It's it's funny, isn't it? Like I I mean, I don't know if anybody else is like this. Um I just get so uncomfortable asking for help. I love helping other people. And if one of my friends says, Oh, do you know what? Any chance you could have whatever little friend it is, Albert Dexter, whoever it may be, um, because I've got an appointment or because I'm gonna be home from school late or the car's broken down, they need to go to school. I'm so happy to help. And like in my heart, I know that other people feel the same, but I just feel so much harder to kind of ask and accept for it. And I don't know if I'm just really bad at asking and accepting it because I just don't ever want to take or put on or anything like that. Or um, this is totally normal and maybe we're all well like this. And, I think yeah. that's genuinely, uh, it's a mum thing, but it's even worse when you're an equestrian mum. I feel like we're so used. Probably so used to doing everything ourselves because we're grafters that's what we do and we're used to you know firefighting um so yeah I, th I think we always end a podcast on saying do you have any advice for expectant equestrian parents of which you are one yes but I think there's quite a few of quite a few moments that you we could pick out of yours what would be your lasting uh piece of advice Nicole I told Sophie this. I don't know if Sophie used it. We can find out in a second. Um, but it, genuinely, I definitely helped in the early days. So the days are long, aren't they, when you've been awake however many times in the night. And Toby was not, I mean, sleep is a whole different subject and birth is a whole different subject because that could go down a whole rabbit hole with that. But Toby was not a great sleeper. So there was not a lot of sleep in our house. Um, and the day feels very long. 
but I coined something quite early and I stuck by it and actually I really love it and I'm quite looking forward to it coming back again. Uh, Bath time is wine time. So when you go to bath the baby, take a glass of wine with you because it, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying go and get absolutely drunk, but it just helped kind of just, I guess, make me take a breath and go, oh, okay, we've got this. Like the house might be in an absolute state. We might all have been crying, but actually we're all all right. We've survived. We've got to the end of the day and, you know, tomorrow will be different and better and whatever it might be. So bath time is wine time. There you go, listeners. Love this. Does it work, Sophie? I, I, Nicole, Nicole, I think I, I've taken that far, far too, (laughs) I've taken that advice on far too much, basically. (laughs) Bath time is bottle time. Sophie's like, bottle of wine, comes to the bathroom with me, off I go. Um, but yeah, bath time is wine time. Oh, this has been absolutely amazing, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining us um, on on a little episode of our uh, equestrian mum ramblings. Um, just best of luck with the rest of your pregnancy, I guess. And we'll be chatting. We'll be chatting before you have birth to number two. So um Thanks very much. I'm going to be coming to you guys for advice because things have changed. I'm sure. And I've forgotten a lot of stuff. Like you do forget things <laughs> massively. Um, so I'm literally yeah. going to be like, right, what's this thing? Like there's te- even technology's changed in the last five and a half years. It's bad. Yeah. We'll help you out. We promise. We promise. We cannot wait to see you at that moment. <laughs> uh, it'll, be, it'll be good. And I'm very excited for it. And I feel very fortunate to be as hard as it is I wouldn't change it for the world but being a mum is the best job in the world it's the hardest job in the world but it's the best job in the world and I I yeah I hope I can inspire him when he's older I'm sure you can I absolutely am. I know you can right crying again <laughs> <laughs> right oh it's like it's like therapy I think this is it's okay to cry is the other thing that I'd take from here it's okay it's all good and on that note yeah, I am actually crying again we ought to let Sophie go and get another tissue because <laughs> but she's crying at everything today um, Nicole thank you so much and listeners we will see you on the very next episode bye for now Katie I have one more thing literally hijacking the end of your outro but um, the other thing that I became much better at during COVID, and I don't know whether it was just COVID helped or the fact that I was stuck at home in a caravan because we were renovating a house for 18 months uh, with a one-year-old when COVID hit. Um, that was fun. But don't apologize for having kids. Do not apologize for if like you guys have been on this call and you, you know, you, you've got kids with you. It's fine. It's absolutely life. And if people don't like it, that's their problem. But I think the world has become more accepting of it. Um, but again, put it in the mm-mm bucket because it doesn't matter. You are doing your best and don't ever apologise. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thanks for listening to another episode from the Equestrian Mums Club. It's been great to have you along for the ride. We've been your hosts, Katie Allen Clark and Sophie Conway. Make sure to hit the follow button to hear more from us as we dig deeper into the world of ponies and parenthood. And until next time, stay smiling, safe and stay sane.